It's now time for Women on the Waves, a show focusing on issues affecting women, here on Christchurch's Community Access Station, Plains FM. I'm Rachel Hazelden, and today on Women's Lives, Women's Stories, I'm speaking to Kira Foley, a climate change activist, a school student, and she's 15 years old. Kira's activities this year include being on a team of organisers in the School Strike for Climate group, uh, two, been involved in two strikes so far this year in March and May. Uh, she was involved in the protest against coal use recently in Christchurch, 9th of August, and has just had a fabulous day organising um, planting of native trees at Sticks River on the 18th of August in Ōtutahi, Christchurch. Kia ora. Kia ora. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. My first question is, what influenced you to become an activist? Um, I suppose the first real push I got was my English teacher who told me about the strike movement and it was something that really inspired me and I wanted to see it happen in Christchurch and so I found their Facebook page and I said, is there anything I can do to help? And it snowballed from there. Wonderful. So your teacher told you about Greta Thunberg's um, protests? Yes. Yeah. Well, her protest in Sweden that led to... The strikes in Australia. And Yeah. 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 And what were the next steps? What happened after that? Um, So I got in contact with Lucy and I ended up speaking at one of the strikes. And I'm usually a pretty quiet person, but somehow public speaking is often easier than speaking one-on-one with a person. And so I... It's funny how that is, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I find... Or I've spoken to a few people who feel the same way. Speaking to a thousand people is easier than speaking to a group of, like, four. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I guess I got involved with the group to organise the May 24th strike and went and spoke to the council with Mia about declaring climate emergency. And as that was passed, then we went on to ECAN and they did too. Wonderful. Yep. It's been a really fantastic year. Mm. Uh, what, What was your awareness about climate issues before you heard about the international movement? I'd had a little bit of education in school, but I think it had always been at the back of my mind. And hearing about the school strike movement and how urgent the issue really was, it brought it to the forefront, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. Mm, mm. And it's an issue that... I've just finished reading Greta's book, and the line I'm stuck with is, the house is on fire. Yeah. It's urgent. Um, How do you maintain hope when it's such a pressing issue with potentially, well, with disastrous results? Like, how do you maintain kind of mental awareness or mental health around that? I suppose I I find it very hard. I think the... The easiest thing to do in my situation would be to forget about the problem. And I think so many people fall into that trap. And I 
I try to think about the urgency of the problem as often as I can to keep it in my head. And then coping with the knowledge, I have a wonderful group of people around me who I can talk about it with. And they're really supportive. And I think it makes the whole thing a lot easier. I wouldn't imagine, or I couldn't imagine having to do this on my own. Mm. And are those um, people around you for support, are they Fano or school or community or, or range or what sort of, where are they coming from? Um, I've got support from my family. They've been trying to cut down on lots of things like plastic and vehicle use, which is really encouraging. But the main support, it definitely comes from the strike group. They are some of the most aware, most intelligent people I know, and I'm really honoured to be a part of the group. Um, that, it's really good to hear, really yep. good to hear. That's how you do it, and and having a support and team. Yeah. Um, when I was thinking about talking to you, I was thinking back to being 15 myself and, and what was going on for me. And and for me, it was, it was concerns about atomic bomb, um, yeah. the Cold War, the, um, the Berlin Wall coming down. There was um, economic recession, you know, stock market crash, um, AIDS, and and yet, you know, there was also friends being friends and yep. crushes on boys and <laughs> pra practical things. And I I did find it hard to cope with the conflict. Cope, yeah, to to um I don't remember having a group around me that could continue the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me I feel very much the same way, but or I did before I met the strike group. And I think it can be a little hard coming from strikes and then going back to normal life at school where not many other people feel the way I do. And the life I, well, we live now conflicts so harshly with the facts and the science we know is real. And I know I and many other people find it really hard to deal with that. Where do you, where do you find the balance hmm. between life and trying to protest climate change. Mm, mm. And I know um, when people speak out about things that are not necessarily in the mainstream, you get a lot of criticism. Yeah. Uh, and um, particularly in the media, um, and we have media now, internet, where everyone can voice opinion. Yeah. How do you deal with the criticism that comes at you? Well, uh, step one would be not looking on the stuff comments. That's a hellhole. Yes. Um, <laughs> one of the women in the strike movement, Mia, she writes for stuff. And looking at the comments she gets under her articles, it's horrific. And it oh, makes me ashamed to be human. Um, but I know those are coming from a select few really nasty people. Yeah. And so that's... Trolls. Yes, trolls, nasty things. Mm. I think what's harder to deal with is the people that come at you in real life. I was outside ECAN with one of my friends, Jess, and a guy came up to us, this was just after they voted for a climate emergency, and we thought he was coming to congratulate us for being there. He came right up to us and he started yelling. And that was just really shocking because we'd been prepared to have a conversation no. Went straight yep. into anger and yelling. Yeah, and it mm. was really, really hard to deal with, especially being, well, being 15, not quite prepared to deal with that. Mm. And, mm. yeah. Mm. 
And did anyone else intervene or say anything? Oh, yeah, we were with XR, Extinction Rebellion, on the day. And I think the thing I love most about Extinction Rebellion is they're such a wonderful community. And so, of course, they stepped up around us and helped us out. Perfect. So how did you connect in with that group, Extinction Rebellion? Um, Was it after the school strikes? I think all, all groups in the environmental movement kind of... I don't know, share the same road, and so it was always going to happen. But the first time I actually met the group was at the ECAN vote. Mm, mm. And then I, I've been meaning to go along to their meetings, but I haven't quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I'm aware that you go to um, a school, I'm going to try and say, Ao Tafiti. Oh, Tafiti. Ah, said it much better. <laughs> Unlimited Discovery School, where there's focus on real learn, real world learning and student-led learning. Yep. Do you think that has helped um, in any way um, your feeling empowered? Yeah. I can guarantee that if I wasn't at the school, I wouldn't be in the same place I am today. Although the students aren't always in the same train of thought I am, the school has been tremendously helpful in this. I mean, even being able to come out to the interview today, at a lot of schools, they would have required oh, so many parental permission slips and oh, interviews with the teachers as to why you're going out. But I'll tell Fitzy, no, they, they, yeah. Perfect. The supportive. Yep. I know there's been, uh, around the school strikes, uh, a general message from schools to discourage students from taking time off school. What do you think of that? Oh, I I strongly dislike it. I hate it. I think you need to let your students go out and protest for something that this is that is this integral for their future. And we've had all we've found we've seen a lot of emails from schools coming out saying, oh, yeah, they have no organisation, no police presence, there are no adults on board, it's just students, it's dangerous. Those are blatant lies. That is not true about our movement. And, look, if you don't want to support the school strikes, that's fine, that's your own prerogative. But don't send messages like that out to your students and their families. It's wrong. Mm, mm. I'm really left with, and I talked to a couple of other teenagers um, about the school strikes, it is a very mixed message saying, um, and I was talking to a friend who she homeschools her three boys, Mm -hmm. and she said she feels like there's this attitude of, um, one, a negative perception of teenagers. Yeah. um, Two, that um, people are saying, show initiative, yeah. You know, go get go outside, out, you get know, off your devices. Get get and do things. Yeah. But if you do, no, stick to the rules and stick by yeah. the do adult rules say. and yeah. do what we say. How it, do you deal with that? It's I'm lucky because I come from a really supportive family, but I know other people in other schools with yeah, they don't have that benefit. And I think getting those messages, it must be really, really hard because strikes like these I think in part of it, it's a really, really good learning opportunity. And for schools to actively stop their students from embracing it and to discourage it, it's ridiculous. Mm. And it prepares you to stand up for things you believe in in later life, which is an incredibly important skill. And more on that, 
how would you like, not just you personally, but how would you like adults to support you? I think, well, coming to the next strike on the 27th would be an amazing start. Uh, we're having 27th of September. September. Yes, sorry. <laughs> we're having a general strike, which is um, inviting everyone, every generation, and it's going to be international, so we're expecting a huge turnout. And coming along to support us then would be a huge help. And even just speaking to, I don't know, youth in your life, talking to them about it, making sure they feel heard and mm. understood. Mm. I saw this, um, it really made me laugh, yep. video online, um, what was it, something about el elbow your... El oh, elbow your elbows, Generation Zeros. Yeah. What yep. did you think of that video? Oh, that was, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think being able to find humour in the yes. movement is perfect. Yeah. 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 And so it's done by a, um, a young, and he calls himself a young white guy, and he... Um, uh, sort of so, talks about in a really humorous way how to have conversations with your grandparents' generation yep. and why um, the climate is so important and what they can do. And, yeah, it's really humorous. <laughs> and I think having those conversations is really important because so many people have come from, I guess, a throwaway generation and to having to relearn how to be sustainable and how to really care for the items you own rather than having it as a sign of privilege that you can just throw it away. I get, I, that would be extremely hard. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. But. Mm -hmm. In general, we've talked about how you'd like to be supported around climate yep. activism. How would you as a teenager like to be supported in general? I think being free to pursue my own interests without judgment and then being able to have those conversations with adults around the issues without getting their backs up because I think it often feels like I'm targeting or attacking people but really that's not what we're about. We're about fighting for climate action and we want to bring everyone along on a just transition with us. And I think being able to have and engage in conversations with adults is extremely important and valuable. Mm. I think there's been that message um, for some time. I'm hearing a message of listening to people, listening to people of different beliefs and attitudes. Yeah. Um, because without dialogue, no one's going to change Yeah, you can't attitudes. grow. Yeah, and we can't find what we've got in common. Yeah. Yeah. So your biggest driver? I think it's, it's the fact that if we don't change and if we go past the point of no return in the next few years in regards to our climate, then human beings, we're not just going to vanish off the face of the earth. Generations are going to have to live on a planet that can't support us. And that idea terrifies me. It's, it's all the worst dystopias you've ever read. It would be hellish. It would be a nightmare. Mm. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. Mm. Thank you. I need to hear that too. You know, I wasn't uh, very informed until yeah. I got the opportunity <laughs> to talk to you. And I've got... Um, a lot more 
knowledge behind me and what I what I'm one of the things I'm left with is it cannot go on the same way yeah and that means sacrifice and I know as a society and as an individual how hard it is to sacrifice the comforts of life yeah especially if you can't see the direct effects they're having we in Christchurch we're probably not going to see the effects of this really decades or decades in the future and I think being able to change without kind of having it in front of us is is hard Mm. and it can be really really depressing reading the news seeing the countries that are already affected by this Mm. and the countries that are going to be devastated by it in future Mm. when we live at home we Mm. continue our nice lifestyles Mm. and yeah our nearest neighbors are the pacific yeah and they um it's more obvious for them because of rising sea levels Mm -hmm. yeah and that's why i think it's so important for new zealand to help take in climate refugees like from the pacific and from all over the world, these people are being displaced because of our lifestyles, and we need to account for that. Mm. And another thing you mentioned before was um, about justice, the difference between um, first world countries and third world countries and, and equality. Oh, Can you explain a bit more of those? I think we've, or talking about climate equity, mm. we've had the benefit of developing using fossil fuels. And a lot of other countries, they haven't had that same privilege. And to expect every country to do their bit to cut carbon emissions is ridiculous. Because we've had the benefit of using fossil fuels, we need to lead the way. We need to lead the way in this issue. We need to show that climate action and climate change isn't only possible, but it's achievable for everyone. Mm, mm, thank you. Uh, and mental health, you wanted to say some more about that for youth. Yeah, I think mental health is mental health in general, but especially around something like climate change, it's really, really damaging. And I do think we need to normalise talking about these issues in our society and in schools and families. We need to have these conversations to make or to make people aware that other people understand. We understand what you're going through. We understand the thoughts you might be having. And I, I've spoken to so many people and they have such... Oh, it's, it's really, it makes me really, really sad how people feel they can't have children because of the world they might be bringing them up into. And I can't imagine how hard f- feeling unable to do that would be. Mm, mm. And we already have a problem in New Zealand. Oh, well, I was actually thinking about mental health. We have a problem with um, youth mental health. Um, Just being a... And I know that's what I struggled with when I was young and um, of feeling powerless to change um, just my my immediate environment, you know, my family situation, my school situation. Um, And... The stigma, and I said there's been a lot of shift in the last 20 years, but the stigma of um, if there's something physically wrong, it's okay to go to a GP. But if there's something mentally wrong, it's not okay to seek help. And I really believe in reducing that stigma. I know 
when I was young, and I still I still feel this actually in my forties, is when I can tell there's something going on and no one's talking about it, like the expression, you know, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, how uncomfortable to have, how like no one's talking about it. And yeah. I got that too reading Greta's essays and speeches is that um, that feeling of something's wrong and why isn't everyone talking yeah. about it? Oh, it makes me feel a little bit like I'm going insane. Sometimes it is. It's like the elephant in the room and sure, some people acknowledge it. But so many more just ignore it, and it's such an absurd feeling. Mm. It's it's like I have two personalities, one that deals with climate change and one that deals with being a teenager. Mm. And it's really, really hard when those two conflict. Mm. And especially at school, I walk around and this is what I'm thinking about, but I don't think anyone else or I don't know anyone else who is, and it's really, really hard to deal with. Mm. Mm. I can... I can definitely understand you. Mm, mm. And I think the only equivalent I can think of, and not my generation, but um, my grandparents were in the World War Two. Yeah. The only equivalent is there's a war. There's a war that's imminent is for their generation. Mm. It's like, well, um, it's something. Environmental over. is imminent issues. We need to deal with that. Yeah. Thank you for your patience and, <laughs> and dealing, uh, bearing with me because, um, you know, I'm really <laughs> forming my thoughts as I go. And um, uh, it's such an honour to meet you. And thank you for the work you're doing. And I will be at the next Wonderful. protest. Um, and we're going we're gonna to finish the song. But is there anything else you do want to say? Um, I think that's... That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you. I think we've covered yeah. everything. Yes. Um, so tell me about the song you've chosen to end with. Um, the song is Zombie by the Cranberries. And although it is about the troubles in Northern Ireland, um, I still I find myself in the lyrics, I guess, how, how this crisis, sometimes it feels like it's all in my head, but it's not and it's something we have to deal with it. And I find The Cranberries Zombie is a really beautiful song. I love it. Yeah. It's a great choice. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Kira. Thanks, Kira.